care of business Driving late at night Psycho 78 12 o'clock Don't be late I said all this horror business Greetings Zietations My name is Justin Lore And I'm Liam O'Donnell And you are listening to episode 66 of Horror Business Har Business Now we are recording this on November 3rd Spooky yes. season Technically, for you, normals is over. Yes. But spooky season never stops here at Hard Business. Okay, so if you are a regular listener, Cinepunks, you're used to opening with apologies. We don't really usually do that here on Hard Business, but I feel... I don't apologize for fucking anything. I do apologize. I feel like we kind of promised that we would have two episodes in October. We did. In fact, every October, we flirt with the idea of, like, let's do an episode a week, and then we couldn't even nail down the bare minimum of two in the month of October. Join, join the club of being disappointed in Justin Lore. It's not your, come on. Hey guys, we're both busy people. I got really busy. Let me give you guys, for those of you who don't follow me on Twitter, let me give you a little update. I actually got a a long-term sub gig. You guys know I've been doing substitute teaching and I got a long-term sub gig, which was cool. Basically what that means is, I mean, I guess it's not cool because basically what it means is one of the teachers had such a life emergency that I had to step in for a long-term basis. So I guess in a way, nothing could be less cool. I don't know that person, and it doesn't affect me at all, so I don't care. <laughs> if I don't see it, it doesn't matter. The point is is that I had to step in, and uh, um, I had to. I was offered a chance to step in for more money than I get as a regular sub, and it was for a film class, so that was great. Um, and in fact, it would continue to be great uh, if I could have kept doing it. Now, granted, the reality here is that if it had kept going, the podcast stuff would have continued to suffer because waking up five days a week at 5 45 in the morning was making me want to die it just it was every other part of it was great i love teaching high schoolers talking to them about movies all that was great but every morning i'd be like oh satan fuck death oh my butt i, I mean that's me every morning anyway and i wake yeah. up at like 8 30 so yeah sure yeah. Anyway, so we, we were MIA. There was other stuff going on, though. Hopefully you checked out all the cool Cineween stuff. Big ups to our man Jacob for making those cool promo videos. The biggest ups to our man Jacob for making those promo videos. Much respect to the many people who wrote for us, uh, who don't normally write for us. And especially I want to lift up my man Adam Stovall, who jumped on in the back end. Yeah, the back end. Uh, jumped in in the back end to edit uh, and actually recruited. You know, I went out of my way to recruit people. And then, of course... No offense to anyone who this is a situation they were in, but a bunch of people backed out who yeah. were very excited to write. And Adam had like eight or nine people who I didn't know. He, he just like started bringing people in. So there's a bunch of stuff on there that I got to read that I would have never gotten to read because I don't even know who these humans are. I've never even met them. And Adam was recruiting these people to write for us, and they did some really great work. So thanks to everyone who wrote for us, whether you are a regular for the site or not, and we hope to have more opportunities for people to participate and yes. feel like a part of what we're doing. That's that's very important to us, that we can't exist without y'all. So, And as always, there's an open invitation. If you ever want to write anything for us, yeah. you know how to get a hold of us. Here's what you need to know. Um, just because we don't pay you any money doesn't mean we don't have any expectations, so get ready for some crushing criticisms coming your way from a guy who you don't know shit to. Mm-hmm. That's just how it goes. So spooky season might be over, but on this episode, holy fuck, I just realized how much we have to talk about. <laughs> well, because we didn't record for I a know. month. This episode, we are, we, are, we are tackling two movies that you have to watch on Halloween. You don't have to watch them. You have to watch on Halloween. I, I would argue that that's not true, but I do tend to watch them around okay, Halloween. Okay, uh, l- l- let us meet halfway then. Mm-hmm. These are two of the best 
movies to watch on Halloween. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We are talking 2007's anthology horror film Trick or Treat, one of the best. Really great. And then one of my favorite films of all time, of any genre, 1982's Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Are we going to discuss your sacrilege opinion of this film? Yes, we are. Cool. By the grace of Satan, we shall discuss this. Just a teaser. It's just a teaser. We're not even going to let you know until later in the episode. I mean, if you've you've spoken to me for more than 10 minutes about anything ever, you know this opinion because I crow about it all the time. But before we get any further, let's just let you know that this episode is brought to you by you, our beautiful and wonderful and beautiful Patreon subscribers. (laughs) Without you, this wouldn't happen. I don't know. That's all I can really say. And we're, we're eternally grateful. Yeah. Um, if In case you aren't on the Patreon, on the Patreon, there's opportunities to get shout outs and get uh, some swag, some clothes. We got some promo DVD drawings we can send out. Um, in theory, there's going to be all kinds of audio on there. Right now, there's only a little bit, but we're going to start adding to that. Um, and really, it's just the knowledge that you're supporting us. Um, I, we know that when you sign up, to support us on Patreon. You didn't really do it to get free junk, but um, we do want to say thank you. So we're trying to get better at the free stuff aspect. Um, But I think the most important part of that is creating free content. It's just, you know, we obviously, it took us a month to get this done. Yeah, (laughs) it's fucking Halloween and it took us a month. (laughs) So it's, it means the world to us. It really does. I talk about it often to people, my friends and family, when they ask like, does this pay anything? And I say, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. The fact is, is that your contributions do help. And mm-hmm. I don't ever look to make money from doing this, but it does help cover costs, and that's all that matters. So thank you so much if you subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by the premier screen, screen printing screen printing company of the greater Lehigh Valley area. Jesus Christ, that's not like I'm having a stroke. Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Now, Liam, if I said to you, I'm looking to get a T-shirt that is uh, the Ultimate Warrior, but with King Diamond themed makeup. Where would you suggest I go for that? Um, hmm. I guess it would have to be Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Yeah. Now they are staffed by very friendly, very professional, very knowledgeable people who will help take your weird, nascent design that you're not too sure about, and you're just like, "Yeah, I got this idea for a T-shirt where it's like, it's for like my uh, my band, and it's like a like a hippo." wearing like sunglasses and like surfing and like a skeleton riding a shark and they'll be like okay like they might think like that's stupid but to your face they'll be like oh that's really cool and then they'll sketch that up and be like how do you like this so if you have a embryonic idea that doesn't make much sense they'll help it make sense so you can go there and give them your idea and they'll help you bring it into a t-shirt uh a hoodie a beer koozie a pin I, I'm looking around Liam's basement right now for stuff. It can a, a, a phone case, a business card holder. They'll help you do that. So, I want to go back to this. You just basically designed the next hard business shirt. That was pretty good. I mean, that was basically every New Jersey hardcore band in like the early 2000s. <laughs> like they, it would be like graffiti font and like ugly neon. Like it would be like neon orange printed on like neon pink. Mm. Remember you're, that? You're getting me a little hard right now. Hey, man, that that was locking out in like 2003, where every T-shirt had like an anthropomorphic animal. Yeah. Like surfing. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty into that. That's sick. So yeah, 
If you like anthropomorphic animals doing fun things with skeletons, who the fuck doesn't, you can go to www.xlvacx.com. That's www.xlvacx.com. Don't let those X's fool you. Chris Reject is not straight edge. At the recent Let's Hang Out event, I may or may not have seen him drink a beer. A whole beer. I'll leave that open as to whether or not that actually happened. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But yeah, mm. go to www.xlvacx.com and they will treat you right. Mm. Now, it comes a time in the podcast when I ask the question that is written in the sky in gossamer teardrops. <laughs> Liam, what have you done recently involving horror? Oh, man. So um, it's been so long since we recorded that I, I'm not even sure what we've talked about. So I feel like, I mean, should we do a quick um, uh, Brooklyn Horror Film Fest recap just together right now? Yes. So I'm sure there's stuff that happened between the last time recorded and Brooklyn Horror, but is any of those things as important as Brooklyn Horror? No. So um, two weekends ago, three weekends ago at this point? Yeah. Three weekends ago at this point, we went to the Brooklyn Horror Film Fest. Big ups to our man, Matt Barone, who runs that fest, who basically for four years now has invited Cinepunks to be a part of it. And, you know, no reason. You guys know. You know if you're listening to this, we don't have an audience. No. No one cares about us. And yet... You're not e- if you're listening to this, are you even real? Yeah. I know there's... I think there's a, a few hundred of you, but, you know, not, not quite enough to justify us getting the VIP trip treatment. And yet... We get to go to this thing, and it's not a lot of movies um, uh, that we get to see for free, but, you know, we managed to get in, like, five, so that's pretty good. Uh, And so we went on the Saturday. We we didn't go on Friday, which means we didn't get to see um, Daniel Isn't Real, Real, which is sort of a big deal for a lot of folks, and I'm sorry we don't have anything to say about that. But That won the best picture, didn't it, for the the festival? For the festival, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we, We couldn't go Friday. Just and went to see American an American Werewolf in London, which you know I understand. Mm-hmm. And then we went uh, to the fest on Saturday. So uh, most of what we saw was at Cobble Hill Cinemas. Yes. And the first thing we went to was the Nightmare Fuel uh, block of shorts. Yes, which was a pretty diverse lineup of directors and of kinds of films, and stylistically, we're all over the place from. Truly upsetting <laughs> to goofy and funny. What film, what short film did you think was truly upsetting? I was pretty uh, frightened of the Inferno one. Yes, that one was legit terrifying. I thought the, uh, is it the Silence is Forever? That was, was good. That was, I thought that was really good. Even the first one, which was kind of like more of a stylistic thing than in like an actual narrative, it was more like an exercise in like a a visual style. Yeah. Still really liked it. Yeah, it there felt, were no there were no bad shorts. It felt very much like a like a sick music like it felt like, like I was watching it, I was like, this is this should be like a music video for a youth attack band. You know what I mean? I was gonna say I was like I really enjoyed the nine inch nails music video that we watched. Oh, in sure, the wilderness. Sure, sure, sure. sure, sure. Uh, and then there was a block in the block. There was another shorter, uh, another block of like very short movies. blocks within blocks. Yeah. So uh, it was cool. Um, I felt like there was some really cool things going on. And, you know, I, I think it's when, when there's so many features that you're trying to catch, it's easy to ignore 
short film blocks. Yes. But I think people should take chances on them more often because that's where you're going to see some of the newer or maybe less known filmmakers that actually are trying to get a break. You know? mm-hmm. uh, I would say big up to Bria Grant, who was in two of the shorts and directed one of the shorts. Mm-hmm. Was she in two or in three, actually? I think she was in two, but it was her collective, which is the Fatal Collective, I think yeah, it is. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me look it up on Twitter. Just keep... Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And then, so, that was great. Then the next uh, film that we saw was a little movie called Blood Quantum. Uh, it was picked up by Shudder. If you're interested in seeing it, I think it's... I don't think it's available yet on Shudder, but it will be available on Shudder very soon. Yes, it's the Fatal Collective. Yeah. They can be found at Twitter on Fatal Horror. It's just a collective of female filmmakers and they all do cool like directors mostly but directors and actors it's cool stuff yeah um we were of different opinions on blood quantum uh, my take on blood quantum was that it was a competent zombie film that starts from a really cool place of indigenous culture and and um being in a community where you're in tension with the white community sort of literally across the river you know mm-hmm. uh, and then it doesn't do a whole lot with that premise um, I think if you're sick of zombies, this movie isn't going to help. I don't think it does enough different that like you're going to be like, well, I hate zombie movies, but this one <laughs> won me over. Like this isn't that one. Yeah. But if you're not sick of zombies, and especially if you're like, I just need a film where there's a lot more like just zombie slaughter. I feel like this movie is a chunk of that and then a chunk of what most zombie movies are, which is that humans are terrible and they will betray each other. Mm -hmm. And that's basically the movie. And, you know, maybe that sounds like a negative thing. I didn't take it as negative. For me, I I thought, that was cool. Um, Do I think it had the potential to be more than it was? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's maybe a stronger criticism than I would like it to be. I'd like to say, who cares? It's fine. But there's a small part of me that was like, I don't feel that white people had enough of a voice in this movie. Stop. (laughs) Um, I will say big ups to the film for really sticking the landing on indigenous representation. I mean, you had indigenous writers, indigenous director, um, mostly indigenous character actors and non-actors, like first-time actors. So, um, you know, I, I really respect that aspect of the film but i just think if it's going to be part of the story like they could have made a movie that was all um you know indigenous folks doing a zombie movie in which the fact that they're indigenous folks has nothing to do with the plot yes and that's fine but they made it part of the plot and then they didn't really go anywhere with it you know and so this is i don't think this is a spoiler the the oh no this is a spoiler it's a spoiler it's a spoiler okay they make it part of the plot i'll just leave it at that and then they don't go anywhere in particular with it and again i hope that comes across as not a strong criticism because it wasn't a strong criticism i mostly like the movie i just felt a little disappointed they didn't do more with it now you were more negative than that i will admit that most of my problems with this movie is what i brought to this movie sure. um in 2019 i am skeptical immediately um like reflexively almost of any time because of the shit job that filmmakers have done of representing indigenous people in films, they're mostly used as stock characters. So at this point in my life, anytime I see like an indigenous character in a, in a horror film, my mind automatically goes to like shitty stock character, the mystical Native American who's going to like have all the answers. Sure, 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 but sure, that sure, is sure. entirely what I brought to the film. That's not on the film itself. Um, I didn't think this film was terrible, um, but it wasn't it wasn't good enough for me to be like, uh, I don't know how to say this without sounding like an asshole, so I don't really want to say it, but it wasn't good enough for me to say, like, oh, I enjoyed it. Like, I didn't hate it. I've seen much worse movies. Sure. Um, 
but it wasn't a movie uh, that really had much going for me anyway beyond the baseline credit I'll give a movie for someone got this movie made and I, right. I'll give them right. credit for that. Right. Um, yeah, I kind of feel that. I, I Like I said, I think I liked it a little bit more than that. Had a really creepy opening. I will give it full with the, with the, the fish. Yeah. That yeah. was really creepy. Yeah. Um, and so then uh, we took a dinner break, which was great. Uh, and I ate a bunch of vegan food. Oh, it was delicious. Um, I think it was a little much sugar for me, but I'm okay. I survived. Um, <laughs> I can't help. I just, I get jumping on that, that stuff. And then I realize like. It's man. funny that we went there and you got like a salad. And I was the one who was just like, yeah, all the fried food you have, just bring it to me. I got a salad in a stew, y'all, which sounds very healthy. But the stew had like a ton of starches in it. And I don't think I bolus enough for all the starches, but they tasted very good. Mm, interesting. Um, anyways, uh, then after that, we saw a little movie called The Swerve. Amazing. Uh, what's the name of the director again? I think Dean like... Capsalis. We had met Dean at the press the press party we went to in Manhattan because we're fancy. We're fancy. We might be small town boys, but we're also fancy boys. We went to the Brooklyn uh, Har Film Festival kickoff party in Manhattan a few weeks ago, and we uh, were weirdly swarmed upon because they must have smelled the press on us from like a mile away. There was a number of people who wanted to talk to us. Yeah. But I think it's because it was an event where a lot of the people already knew each other. And so yeah. they, we were one of the few people there that maybe they didn't know. And, we were we um, were the, the wild cards, if you will. Um and 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 there's a bit of like a wanting to make sure we see their movie, but yeah. I think I think that's a, a thing you need to do more at a bigger fest. Like Brooklyn Horror is small enough that it was like everyone we talked to, I knew about their movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um at a bigger film fest, I could see someone wanting to like chat me up then that way because if there's so many things that why would I pick there? You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. kind of like a whereas this is like, you know, Dean from the Swerve has talked to us. I'm thinking, yeah, man, this is one of the movies I'm most excited to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was I mean, he was super nice, sat down with us and just, you know, it was We just great. talked about horror movies. Yeah, it was it was great. Oh, yeah, and let's be clear, he wasn't like it wasn't like we met him and then he was like trying to sell us on his movie. No. He just was very friendly talking about horror movies and it was a good conversation. So it kind of made me more excited to see it, even though I was already I was already like, yeah. Oh, that looks really cool. I hope it's good. I hope we get it. We got tickets for it. I was excited. Um, the Swerve is one of the more upsetting movies I've seen this year. Yes. And I saw Parasite. Yes. Just yesterday. And um, The Swerve is way more upsetting than that. I mean, Parasite's very good, too. Um, I, I, the Swerve is a film that is very much a... Uh, uh, we're watching the tragic unfolding of someone's life. Unfolding is the key word. Is yeah. literally un, un unraveling, unraveling, uh, undoing, unmaking. There's, there's a there's a there's the film has a bit of a psychological aspect where we are identified with a specific character and we are watching her kind of go through a lot. And some of the what we're seeing is not sure if it's real or not because she her connection to reality is kind of coming apart. Um, and yet, in all this, it never felt very. Um, didn't feel like cliche tropes like oh here's another psychotic woman you know yeah for anyone who's read the the Kirla Janice book the House of Psychotic Women it sort of details the various sort of like Freudian deconstructions in in horror um, this movie never falls into that she's even at some of her worst moments I felt like she was sympathetic and I kind of 
felt really bad for her. I thought she was I, sympathetic the entire time. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, yeah. It would be easy to have a character who you care about, but then at certain moments, you're kind of alienated from them because of what they're doing. Yeah. There was no moment, no matter what she's doing, that's very horrible. Was I like, ugh. I was just like, oh, honey, no. Don't. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Another thing that I really liked about this movie is that it had, she was an unreliable narrator. Sure, sure, sure. Even though she wasn't like it was we were seeing the movie from her point of view, she was an unreliable unreliable narrator. But unlike the vast majority of films like this, there's no obvious point in the film where her reliability is called in the question. You just know it's unreliable. Like it establishes early on, like they don't do anything where there's no like weird where she's like, remember that time that we did this? And you're like, oh, what are you talking about? Like that never happened. Like we never, it's just, you know, from the tone of the film and the way it's set up, you just know that this might be happening. This might not be happening. Whether or not it is or it isn't is not important. It's just the sure. uncertainty that, that, yeah. that, that, that matters. Yeah. And I, and I would say too, um, Horrible things happened in this movie. I don't want to spoil anything for you, but horrible things happened in this movie. And yet at no point did it feel exploitative. Like I was never like, oh man, that's too far. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Or you know what I mean? It didn't feel like there's that, it it didn't have that sort of gleeful, voyeuristic sense of like psychological breakdown porn where we're like, you know, the whole movie is like, it's so cool that this terrible shit is happening. It's 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 a very, very, very upsetting movie. And I would say it's very much about um, the way that, I mean, let's say pretty much mostly women um, are kind of ignored and uh, dehumanized in a less direct way. When we talk about dehumanization, we're always thinking of the most extreme examples. Of yes. People who are treated like chattel or treated like they don't matter. But there's a way in which we don't listen to people. We don't take them seriously. We don't take their experiences seriously. That is also dehumanizing in that that could have a cumulative effect on someone. And that's sort of what this movie is about, is that her husband, her family, her friends, there's not really anyone... uh, Well, there's very few people in her life, and maybe no one appropriate, who takes her experience seriously. But that's not to say that, like... what, what, what What is truly tragic about this movie is that I would say the only people who are deliberately don't give a shit about her. Like they see her as an object are her children. Her husband, her husband is like neglectful and possibly unfaithful, but I don't think her husband, um, how to say this without sounding like an asshole. I don't think her husband doesn't care about her. Right. Like I don't think her husband is a bad person. It's just, it's one of those things that shit is falling apart. Right. He doesn't realize it. Right, and he's trying to deal with it the best way that he knows, which is maybe you should just get your medication changed. Which is, I, I guess, I still, which is which is still fucked, but it's like it's that kind of fuck that that that's like extra fucked because it's glossed over with that like benevolent, almost like parental sense of sure. yeah. I don't know though. I think to a certain extent though, that kind of neglectfulness is still bad enough that people will have a super negative reaction to that character. Like, I don't... Like, just because he's not malevolent doesn't mean I'm like... I mean, maybe you had a different reaction, but I was never on his side. Like, no, no, no. I'm not, saying I'm, on his, I'm not saying I'm on his side. I was just like, this motherfucker here. I don't, yeah. I don't but know. But I'm saying he, he's he's not evil. He's not, like, cackling, no, 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 like, no. I'm well, gonna go fuck her sister and, and all this and shit. And so that's the thing about this film, right, is that it doesn't need a villain. No. 
and I, you know, uh, that might sound crazy for folks who are steeped in a certain kind of horror, but horror films don't need a villain. The terror and the and the horror of this movie is just in the world that she's in and the reality of that world. There is nothing scarier. There is nothing scarier than being afraid of your own thoughts. Mm -hmm. And this movie builds its fucking kingdom on that. And it is a horrible kingdom, but it's that that is that is the central basically that's what that's what this movie boils down to. And let's be really clear too, like we are very much praising this movie. I think we both really loved it. I said to the director to his face, this is a not particularly rewatchable movie. So. No, I straight up told him I don't ever want to see that movie again. Yeah, so if you're if you're somebody who your enjoyment of film is based upon let's put it this way, your appreciation of film is based upon your emotional enjoyment. I don't think this might be the movie for you. Uh, if you're someone for whom good art sometimes is painful and it makes you feel things that you wish you weren't feeling, uh, and you're willing to go on a journey that might like cost you a little bit of uh, self assuredness and cost you a little bit of your own feeling of you know well being, this is definitely for you. Like it, it, it ended, and I felt. You know, it, it it was a beautiful experience. Yes, but it is a harrowing experience, and in no way was I like, "Yo, I can't wait to watch that again." I think I'm more inclined to watch it again, but certainly not a fun time Saturday night. The friends are coming over. Yeah, we're gonna order a pizza. Yeah, let's and we're watch, gonna watch the, the swerve. swerve. I think this is more like go in knowing that this movie asks something of you. But if 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 you if you resonate with the whole, you know, I've said this to the point where it's a cliche. It's hard business rule number one. <laughs> sometimes our, sometimes the movies we love do not love us back. Yes. And this is a movie that does not fucking love you. No. It doesn't <laughs> return your calls. It <laughs> finger bangs you once and then just doesn't return the calls ever. It leaves you on red. Yes. Every text. Every single time. And then it, every shitty cliche about social media, this movie does it. But it's yeah. so fucking good. So then, so fucking good. So then, after the swerve, you saw a little movie called The Shed. I saw The Shed. I wrote a review about it on Cinepunks. Next, yeah, you can go check out the review on Cinepunks. Oh, uh, it was. It, you also wrote a review of The Swerve, which was very good. Yes, and a review of the next movie we're going to talk about, One Bedroom. So everyone should read your reviews. But I think because your take on The Shed was not entirely positive, it's not worth like going super deep into it right now. I believe in the rule of thumper. I, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I mean, I think in the realm of criticism, that's difficult because sometimes you need to let people know that a thing is. No, bad. no. I mean, I, I, I gave, I, I gave. I, okay, let's let's not say next. I gave credit where credit was due for this movie. Yeah. Um, I wasn't particularly thrilled with this movie. Um, I think it's okay to say you don't need to break your back to find this thing. No, but it, you didn't think it was terrible. No, I, 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 it had, it, it honestly had at its core a really, really, truly great story. Sure. It's just that that story wasn't developed, and that was the biggest crime of this movie. Yeah. Let's move on, then, to the movie we saw the next day. So big ups to my friend Molly Delaney, who let us crash at her place, which was a joyous experience. It was. Although the one negative part is we we definitely got in at a reasonable time for the next day, and then we just talked till 2 in the morning, and then I was like, why are we still talking? Yeah. We have movies tomorrow. So we went to sleep and then got up to see One Bedroom. Um... I thought One Bedroom was very good, and I think you thought it was very good. I well. thought it was very good. Um, I thought it was, uh, again, I wrote a review about this. So. You interviewed the director as well? Yep. I totally totally forgot about that. Did that go up yet? I don't think so. Okay. But it should be up soon. Okay. So I mean, we could, a... we could post it today if you want. Yeah, yeah. There's an interview with the director. David Marmer is a truly charming, very intelligent guy. 
uh, it was great to talk to him. It yeah. was great to see. I and I had interviewed him before I saw the movie. Sure. So that was extra fun because I just went to this interview completely blind, and then seeing w- what he had said to me play out in the film, it was just exhilarating because um, I never get to do that. I never get to hear from a creative force about sure. their creation and then see that creation unfold in the way they they, they had intended to. And perhaps that colored my perception of it, maybe. But well, let me say I you know I will much the way that you go by the rule of thumper, I go by the rule of cranky. No positive thing is not better. All positive things are better with a little bit of my crankiness thrown in. Yeah. So the one bit of cranky I had about this movie, it doesn't look as good as I think it could. No. I think it's visually a a teeny bit flat, and I don't think that's all direction. In fact, I think some of the camera work is actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, But the both the style of the film um, and... I just feel like they could have done more even with the setting, which I know it's tight. You know, they're in this tight little thing. Yeah. They only shot for, I think they said, 17 days total. It so. was a very limited production, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think they're they're doing okay. It just visually felt a little flat to me. It kind of reminded me of, like, something I'd see, like a cable movie or something like that. From so that, what, what that put me kind of on edge a little bit. But it still ended in such a way that I really liked it. And, and, and um, I mean, we didn't say much about what any of these movies were about we did a little bit on the swerve uh one bedroom is very much like a uh woman finds herself in a situation she was not expecting to be in yes uh and it could easily become uh i don't you know people say torture porn but there's only so many movies that are that and i don't mean that like i don't think it could have turned into a hostile but i think that what it could have turned into is a film in which the main dramatic point is just her suffering yes you know and instead, the film has an arc. It goes in a direction. It makes a very strong decision narratively. And then, of course, it, it disrupts that at some point. But a lot of movies, I think, would not make that decision. They would have a character who maybe does other things. And I, I, I'm being purposely vague here because I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But the point here is that um, if it had made different decisions, it would have ended up just being an hour and a half of her suffering. That's, yeah, I maybe that's something you're stoked on, listener. But it, you've, if you listen to this show before, you know that's not something that we're stoked on in and of itself. It, it's got to have something to it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm willing to put up with all manner of cruelty uh, if it's part of a compelling story, uh, and, and that's what this movie pulled pulled off. O- on paper, I think if I had really read more closely what this movie was about, I would have been even less excited going in because I it doesn't sound like something I would like. Yeah, and as it started, and I saw where it was going, I was like, oh. I don't know if I'm going to like this. And then it ended, and I was like, wow, that actually was handled very well. It walks a very specific line. It tells a very specific story, and it ends. I mean, I know there was some discussion about how they felt about the ending as filmmakers. Yes. But I thought the ending was actually perfect. For my taste, I was like, yes, that's how it should end. Well done. I approve. Yes, it 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 was one of those things when I interviewed David, he had said that one of his favorite films of all time was like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Sure. And that there's a little nod to, to this, to that movie in this movie. And then I called it and I was like, there it was. Sure. There's a review. I wrote a review for this. It's on Cinepunks. Uh, I think the way I felt about it. And I said this in the review was that if Mulholland drive is David Lynch's love letter to Los Angeles. Sure. This film is the beacon from alien saying, stay the fuck away from Los Angeles. Right. Right. It is very much a film about, the ways that Los Angeles can be uncomfortable, especially if you're a transplant. 
I mean, I'm sure it's uncomfortable for people who are from there too sometimes, but if, you know, as a new place to move to that you think you need to be a part of in order to make it in the world, some of the things about that, especially if you're not from that kind of city, it's, I mean, I could see it being, and the film gives you the feeling of it being kind of claustrophobic, even yeah. if it's openness. So anyways, that was Brooklyn Horror. Uh, all, the only thing that doesn't have a review up for you to read is Blood Quantum. Um, if you are smart, you guess that's because I was supposed to write that hmm. review. And interesting, I very interesting. Yeah, okay. I've been busy, all right? It doesn't happen sometimes. I'm very sad, okay? So uh, hopefully I'll get that up at some point. But uh, feel free to go check out Justin's awesome reviews that he wrote. They're okay. They're very good. Um, so the other thing I wanted to highlight is I went to the 13th annual Exhumed Films 24-Hour Harathon. How was that? It was very good. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, the Harathon as it has existed, i.e. at the Lightbox Film Center, uh, is probably done. Uh, well, it's certainly done at the Lightbox uh, Film Center. The International House, which houses the Lightbox, is being torn down. Uh, Lightbox is moving to University Arts. Wait, that building's being torn down? Oh, yeah. Why? It's like... You didn't know about this? this is the whole thing. This is the entire story. <sighs> I thought that building was just built. You thought they were... What? Wait, the International House? Yeah. You gotta be joking. It looks very new to me. 68, 67. That's relatively new. Get out of here, you crazy I mean, it, it did almost fall apart on us a few years yeah. ago at Harathon, so That's I guess this, I can't really be surprised. This is what I'm saying. It's literally like, I think they just couldn't put the money in to fix this shitty building up because the building is a piece of shit and it's falling apart. Uh, and it literally burst a pipe two harathons ago so anyways this is the 13th annual kind of an auspicious number for them to have to end on um but you know i don't think it means that they'll never be a harathon again per se but they can't promise anything because you know what venue they don't necessarily know what venue they're going to exhumed is going to continue at other venues but as far as the 24-hour harathon that's hard to say where yeah that could go Point being is that uh, I had to go, and I think a lot of people had to go, which meant it was a fun crowd of maybe some people who I hadn't seen in a while. Uh, friend of the show, Jacob Knight, uh, who works at Falcon Video in Austin, he flew out to be a part of it. Um, a friend of the show, Evan Valella, made a special uh, effort to be there. A lot of people made a special effort to be yeah. there. So it was, it was a good time. Um, if you want to know what the lineup is, was, you can check it out online. Uh, on Letterbox, there's a bunch of lists people already put up. Uh, if you are curious to hear about or read about the lineup, there's been a bunch of stuff posted. I'm going to try to get uh, a recap up. But some of the highlights for me were um, Invasion of Body Snatchers. I've seen it before, but I've never seen it in a theater. Stepford Wives, I had never seen. Really? Uh, I, well, I don't, or at least I don't remember. Parts of it seem familiar, so maybe I've seen it, I've caught it, but I, I've never sat and watched it. I certainly never seen it on 35 millimeter. Um, Contamination, which I have seen, uh, but I certainly had never seen it on film before. I don't know if you've seen Contamination, Justin. I. It's uh, something cozy, Italian director. It's very much the feel of it is a uh, guy who loves Lucio Fulci, but is not Lucio Fulci, is making his stab at like a a, a fun alien ripoff. Hmm, interesting. So like so, a Bruno Mattei film? Yeah, but it's not as trashy as Bruno Mattei, and it has some like really effective parts, but all the parts that aren't effective are super boring. So like gotcha. on, on one hand, the intro is very good. The characters are very weird. A bunch of the people in it, you're like, oh, you're in Fulci films. Like they're yeah, yeah. you recognize. And then um, 
the middle, there's a literal there's a, so there's a part where um, they've flown to the South American country to find out how these alien eggs have been spread across. So uh, there was a mission to Mars. The mission to Mars came home. One of the sol- one of the astronauts is like. I saw aliens and eggs. The other astronauts like that guy's crazy. We didn't see shit. So that guy who says he saw aliens gets sort of, you know, barred for whatever, whatever. Then a good five, six years later, they find in a factory a bunch of alien eggs. Interesting. And so they're like, let's go talk to that guy. And he's like, well, just leave me alone, whatever. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Turns out the other astronaut was lying and now works for the alien hive mind. And so through this coffee company in South America, they're sending alien eggs out across to all over the world. So they go to like confront this dude. There's a part where he wants to kill the the lead investigator is a woman a female army officer and so he puts one of these eggs in her bathroom while she's getting ready and it feels like a 15 minutes of the movie is her screaming in the bathroom for someone to help her and then the guy's just being like do you hear something (laughs) do you hear something do you think there's something do you hear something it just goes on and on and on and i get the idea of the alien sound is that it speeds up and when it reaches a pitch the egg explodes and something happens although i don't know what that something is really uh but the noise just goes on for so long you can't even perceive that it's increasing in speed it's just they keep showing you the egg and it's uh, uh, and then I guess it speeds up the next shot, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Because the scene goes on forever. So like that part, I'm like, man, maybe this movie sucks. And then it ramps up after that and it gets fun again. Uh, and there's a, eventually like a giant cyclops alien that sucks people into like a mouth tentacle. And it's very, it's very fun and weird. I want to see this movie. You should. I have it on Blu-ray. Oh, oh yes. I, I'm a purist of... Disc formats. Um, other highlights uh, include uh, the weird, by the same director, cut of Godzilla. That's mm-hmm. the Italian cut. Uh, I'll avoid making any stereotypical remarks about Italian Godzilla. Yeah, it's messed up. Uh, Basket Case. Um, what else that was really good? Uh, a movie called Goke, uh, The Body Snatchers from Hell. It's okay. It's like a weird Japanese alien movie. I that think I own that. It's a lot of fun. Um what else? Sorry, guys. Uh, you know, it's overnight, so my brain sort of implodes in on itself. But, uh, oh, The Evil Cat, a Hong Kong horror, horror, horror martial arts film. Um, and uh, a bunch of stuff that was a lot of fun. Oh, they also oh, including 30 the, Days of Night. Uh, the Manitou, which, <laughs> you know, I love The Manitou. They fucking did 30 Days of Night. But that was a good time to talk to people. And then they ended up the day with Nightbreed, which... Uh, of course, I would have preferred it was the director's kind of Nightbreed, but this was a <sighs> film, so director's kind of. Why bad. do you not like Thirty Days a Night? I think it's bad. Ben Foster's so good in that movie, though. You're a crazy person. Are you're, are you no, no, you're no, 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 and most of the characters are bad, and the story is uh, uncompelling. It's a bad movie. I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to uh, stand up to the truth, I know. No, 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 no. All I'm going to say about this movie... <laughs> uh, I'm, fuck you. I'm going to say this about this movie. Yes. Danny Houston, Houston, Houston is great. Mm. Ben Foster in that movie is the best Renfield of all time. Ugh. No. No. 
He's even creepier. Ugh. He's even creepier than Dwight Fry. Do you know how much it pains me to say that? With my love of Dwight Fry's Dracula. Anyway, talk talk about fucking Parasite. Oh yeah, and then I saw a little movie called Parasite. It's not technically a horror movie. In fact, I would say it's when sometimes when you say it's something's not technically a horror movie, it really is a horror movie. This is actually very much not a horror movie, uh, but it has so much in it that kind of reminds you of horror movies. Okay, I think if you're a horror fan, you would enjoy it. Um, uh, it's very much a film about poverty and class and very much about the inhumanities of the rich and the inhumanities of the poor who are trying to achieve uh, the power and privilege of being rich. Uh, And it's a movie that feels mostly like a drama and then has some insanely violent moments. Interesting. You know, it is a Bong Joon-ho movie, so you're probably familiar with that. Uh, Also, if you've seen Snowpiercer, uh, then you're familiar with how he feels about the rich and powerful. Uh, <laughs> this movie is at least a little bit more subtle than that. Uh, and in fact, I think it's his best film. Uh, and it might possibly be my favorite film of the year. Interesting. Um, Very good. Uh, I will say, though, if you are someone for whom the uh, resentment of the poor is actually something that bums you out, let me go ahead and let you know, you're not going to like this movie. This is a movie that's very much like... I think, I mean, a lot of people have been describing it as subtle and ambivalent. Um, And I think I disagree, but there's no way to delve into the extent to which I disagree without spoiling the movie. So I won't do that. There you go. It's very good that you should see it. How about you, Justin? Uh, I'll start out by saying uh, I watched a little movie called The Dead Don't Die. Oh, yeah. What'd you think? I haven't gotten to watch it yet. thought it was very good. Uh, It made me into a huge Sturgill Simpson fan. Of course. Um, It's a little too winky and naughty for me at times. Sure. But uh, it's a fun enough zombie movie where... Um, as Liam has said on 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 on, on Twitter, uh, in our in our town, uh, trick or treat was on Friday instead of Thursday, and uh, my niece is at the point now where she thinks she's too cool to go trick or treating. Kate, if you're listening to this, you're not. So we, she came over to hand out candy with me on Friday night, and we started watching some movies. We started watching uh, Dog Soldiers because she thought it was a movie about dogs who were soldiers. Um, but my DVD kept skipping because my computer is old as hell. Then we started watching a movie that I end, I'll end up talking about later called Little Monsters. That if you've seen this movie, uh, it's so good. I didn't. I, oh, I can't believe I didn't bring that up on my thing. Little Monsters is great. Yes, we started watching that movie, and because I hadn't seen it, we started watching it, and then I turned it off for obvious reasons. If you've seen this movie, namely that you know <laughs> the character walks in and his girlfriend having sex with her uh, coworker, and. So I put on The Dead Don't Die because, you know, it's streaming. It's fun enough where a 10-year-old kid could watch that movie and it's not it's not like inappropriate, I would say. There's there's right. not like a there's not like a ton of gore. There's there's no sex. Right. And it's just it's a silly enough movie where uh she had a good time watching it. So yeah. that was fun. Uh I also attended the attended the Exhumed Films Masters of Horror. Oh right, which was amazing. Yeah, it only strengthened my belief that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre objectively is the greatest horror film of all time. It was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Brood, which Oliver Reed, uh, it's Alive, which is an amazing. I again forgot how incredibly sad that movie is. Yeah, and then um, 
The Thing. You might have heard of it. It's a little movie called The Thing. And I tapped that after The Thing because I had been awake. I had driven that day down the DC for uh, Monster Mania, which I won't really talk about much. I met um, Virginia Madsen and talked about how much I loved Sideways. It's a great, embarrassing moment in my life. But that was fun. Saw a little movie called Dry Blood. Shout out to my man, Clint Carney. That was great. Shout out to friend of the podcast, Liz, who turned me on to that. I attended Freddy Fest. Oh, at the yeah, Mahoning Drive-In. Yeah, I meant to go and I couldn't go. Uh, the night I went to was uh, Nightman on the Street 1, 2, and 3. I left after part 2 because I'd watched the best two of the entire franchise that aren't A New Nightmare because A New Nightmare is the best of the franchise. It's a fact. Sure. It's a fact. Sure. Sure. Uh, I attended at the Steel Stacks. I took my niece to go see The Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. Great. She loved it. Yeah. Uh, she expressed a little concern when you for, they first show Nanook the dog. She's like, Uncle, does, does he die? I was like, no, as a matter of fact, he drop kicks a vampire into a bathtub full of holy water. And she was like, okay, you're, you're making that up. And then it happened, and I have never seen a kid more excited about anything <laughs> than when Nanook drop kicks a vampire into a tub full of holy water. Uh, the day after that, on Edge Day, I saw... Uh, an American War for London at the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville where they filmed The Blob. It's my favorite movie of all time. I don't need to talk about it much. It was amazing. It was a blast, especially seeing it in such a historic theater. Uh, I saw a little movie called Wrinkles the Clown. Oh, sure. Very good. Yeah. Very, it's much better than it's being marketed as. Yeah. And it's a vastly different film than it's being marketed as. Yeah. That movie ended on such a sweet and tender note that it almost brought me to tears. Oh, wow. It's It's very good. It's, Definitely in my top ten of the year. Hmm. Saw a little movie called Three from Hell. I mean, we already know what it is. <laughs> Saw a little movie called Red Letter Day. Uh, got a chance to interview the director, Cameron McGowan. That'll be up soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, my review of Red, Red Letter Day is up on Cinepunks right now. Um, it's being marketed as The Purge, but funnier. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's accurate. I think this movie does a much better job of taking an insane sort of human hunting human concept yeah. and actually make it a part of the plot as opposed to just like having it in the background for to forward the uh to move the narrative along. Uh I saw a little movie called The Girl on the Third Floor. Oh yeah. Would the how did you I guess that was just one of the that, screeners. That was right? on, uh that was no it's you can it's streaming now. Oh is it streaming yeah. now? I have to watch it. It's very good. Yeah. Um I mean I guess I can't really be surprised that CM Punk is like a decent actor. You can be surprised. No, no, no. He's a he's a successful professional wrestler, and I'm of the firm believer that if someone is a successful professional wrestler and they're a good actor, that's not surprising. Right. I hear you. Yeah. Um, the only thing I didn't really like about that movie is that it apparently, it's like, okay, yes, CM Punk is a member of the Order. Like Liam and myself, he's taken the sacred vow. Yep. He abstains from all harmful toxins with his body. But ever, there's so many scenes in this movie where he's like, drinking a beer quote unquote or smoking a joint and I'm like I, I get it dude like you I get it this is like your character and it's it's funny um, but one thing about this movie that's like sort of strange and it's not really uh, marketed as such is this is a very gooey movie it's very oh, I've heard that it's very icky and very oh I'm into that uh, almost Cronenbergian like mm. if David Cronenberg made like a haunted house movie yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, would yeah. be this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and then I saw Doctor Sleep, um, which I wrote a review about for on Cinepunks. Uh, an amazing movie. Um, 
very upsetting. Uh, I had to leave the theater at one point to a scene that if you've read the book, it involves the baseball boy. You can only imagine how Mike Flanagan translated that to the big screen. Hint, it was very upsetting. Uh, but it was a great movie. Um, Ellen McGregor is amazing. Um, the actor who plays Avra was incredible. Um, Alex Torres, who played uh, Wendy Torrance in this, amazing. He did a great job of translating The Shining up to like modern, not modern times, but like sort of recreating sure. scenes from The Shining. Sure. And then there was uh, a little mini series or TV series that I hope Liam's watching started again, Castle Rock. I am totally caught up. Yes, yes, yes. See episode four? Yes. I watched that like in the depths of the morning last night and I just like laid in bed, like holding my pillow. Like, why? Why did you do it, Pop? You're, you're like the only good person left in Castle Rock. Mm. Um, and then Little Monsters, mm. which was really fun. Little Monsters is very good. I uh, So let me highlight for y'all, uh, assuming we ever get to do it, um, our failed Halloween-themed episode for Cinepunks is going to be a uh, horror comedy. So we're going to be talking about Little Monsters. We're going to be talking about Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which okay. is a rewatch for me that is very fun. And we're going to be talking about One Cut of the Dead. No Shaun of the Dead? No, we just... Uh, Josh really wanted to do things he hadn't seen. Oh. So he watched Little Monsters and was like, let's do other funny things. And so he picked... Uh, which is not a judgment because all three of those movies are very good and I'm excited to talk about them. That's all your comment on Little Monsters? Oh, yeah. I No, I just wanted to let people know to check that out because I'll get so into good. depth on there. I mean, if you haven't seen Little Monsters, uh, uh, Lupina Nyong'o is great. She's hilarious. Yeah. Um, the the only annoying part is the dude who's like the annoying the kid. child. Yeah, he I that he's very annoying. And, and of course, you know he's going to become less annoying because that's what the movie's about. But he doesn't. I think he does. I think there is definitely an arc there. But I feel like it is... Um, it's too much of the beginning. I would like him to have been less of a man child, and it would have been more compelling. If but this it, movie it ends very well, I mean, to give you an idea of, of how I felt about it, audience, uh, I definitely was crying at the end of the movie. Oh so, yeah! Oh my god! It's it's yeah. so endearing and so sweet, yeah. and um, there's a scene. The only know, only time I ever had positive feelings about Taylor Swift in my life. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I've I've spoken about spoken about my niece numerous times in this episode. Anyone who knows me knows that she is like means the world to me and this movie revolves around like a guy and his nephew like a similar relationship sure, 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 and sure. just like the relationship he has with them is so it's just so tender and perfect yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. this the scene it's it's uh, there's one scene where um it's when she has to go out and get something and there's like a bit of panic inside yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. that was so real and so like mm-hmm. oh my god like this is this is terrifying. This is so upsetting, but it's just such a good movie. I, I like. I, I immediately like, texted my mom and was like, "You, you have to see this movie. It's so good." So that's all we've done for horror recently, and it's been a lot because we haven't recorded in like a month, almost a month. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna take a quick break. I'm gonna run to my car and grab a cherry coke, and when we come back. We're gonna talk about 1982's Tom Atkins vehicle. Anti-cultural appropriation masterpiece. <laughs> Halloween three, season of the witch, the best Halloween three movie. We'll be right back. Best, god damn it, <laughs> the best Halloween movie. It's not the best Halloween movie. It's best Halloween movie. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You don't really 
much about Halloween. Halloween. The barriers would be down between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. You happen to know anything about this Cochran? All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Hey, Mr. Cochran, just what is the final process? No, I was just thinking. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. Hey! Where are they taking her? They're taking her to the factory. I want a mask. Can I have a mask? Uh, just what I had in mind for you, little buddy. Why, Cochran? Why? Do I need a reason? I've got nothing here to indicate there was ever a body at all. Operator, this is an emergency. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. You've got to believe me. They're going to kill us. All of us. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. Happy Halloween. Stop it! Halloween 3, season of the witch, the night no one comes home. And we are back to talk about 1982's Halloween 3, season of the witch. Yeah. Here's the plot of season of the witch. Tom Atkins. Good luck. Finish. No. Kids all over America want silver shamrock masks for Halloween. They're so good. Dr. Daniel Chalice seeks to uncover a plot by silver shamrock owner Connell Cochran. (laughs) Fucking Irish. Written and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, starring Tom Atkins and a few other people. The fucking man. The fucking king. Tom Atkins, the lucky young lady that gets the bone, Tom Atkins, and Irish guy. And then the rest of the cast is like, whatever. Shitty kid. Yeah. Shitty buddies. Okay. Shitty buddy's wife. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate woman who gets her face blasted open by a piece of Stonehenge. Yeah. A bunch of uh, people who are apparently toys, I guess. Yeah. Uh, nice African-American man who owns a garage. Yeah. That's about it. Uh, nurses that Tom Atkins has, has had sex with. That's true. Various nurses who like the way they talk to him. You're like, all right. Uh. Oh, and then homeless, transient, alcoholic. Who gets oh, his head pulled sure. off. Oh, that poor guy. I feel bad for him. So, let's just get state of fact right now. No, don't. you're not stating a fact. It's not quite a hot take to like this movie anymore. That was going to be my thing I was going to say. I thought your fact was going to be, okay. Everyone's on board. We're not coming in. I, oh, maybe there are people who are not. And occasionally I interact with normal humans who are not part of the film conversation. So Most, le- I hate to say this because this makes me sound like an elitist piece of shit. Most people I consider deep cut horror fans, like legitimate horror fans, right? Like this movie, at least appreciate it. Right? Yeah. Uh, uh, then there are normies who are like, "Isn't that the movie without Michael Myers?" Civilians, in it? civilians. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like saying muggles. It sounds like a racial slur. <laughs> muggles. Um, they don't like this movie because this is famously the Halloween movie that doesn't have Michael Myers in it. We don't have time to delve into why. Um, you can sure, just look sure it up. We do. We have plenty of time to delve into why. We do. Basically, John Carpenter envisioned the Halloween series 
after part two, after he was dragged kicking and screaming into making uh, part two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was going to, I think before part two, he had pitched this idea. Oh, this was, okay. And they were like, sure, 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 that sounds cool and all, but we need Michael Myers back. Yeah. And he did not want to do that, but he did it anyway because of, uh, what is it again? Oh, yeah, money. Money. They drove a yeah. fucking dump truck full of money to his front door. <laughs> But I do like the fact that he wrote that movie completely intoxicated. <laughs> oh, sure. And Donald Pleasance was intoxicated the yes. whole time they filmed it. He's never sober. I defy you to find a moment in Halloween 2 where you could say, he's, Donald Pleasance is sober. Yeah, his blood alcohol scene. level is below 0.5. <laughs> so basically, they John Carpenter envisioned a series of films that was like an extended anthology where mm-hmm. it would be, every movie would be a, a horror movie that took place on Halloween night, sure. which is such a good idea, and I wish yes. they would do that. Unfortunately, Halloween and Halloween 2 were so fucking good, and Michael Myers was so fucking iconic by those movies that when they released Halloween 3, people were like... They were pissed. What the fuck is this? Right. So... I mean, let's be clear. Halloween 2 is actually not good. No, but I get why people... It's iconic, Yeah, and I think... For what it is, it's actually a pretty visceral and effective sequel. Yes. But it actually is not a great movie. And no. people who because people will come at me like, How can you like three when two like sets such a great, you know, whatever? And I'm like, No, two is in my mind, two is a bit half assed. And if the script for two was filmed by anyone else, it would not I just who, think who directed part two? I don't remember. Whatever. It's just one of those things where I just think the script is not great. I yeah. know, like, okay, I get it. Carpenter was producer and, you know, whatever, and it just doesn't work. I, I, whatever. The point is is that it's not terrible, terrible. I just think that it's overrated because one is such a fucking event. Yes. And two doesn't completely shit the bed. Most sequels right after tend to completely shit the bed. I mean, think about, okay, this is just my opinion. I'll put it out there. Uh, I think Friday the 13th 2 is bad. Yeah, Friday the 13th is bad. Well, I don't think Friday the 13th is bad. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is great, but it's more great for what it's trying not to be, which is clearly gay subtext. <laughs> In fact, I would I want to take that the script, the guy who wrote the script, who kept saying for years that there was no gay subtext, and just say, bro, the gay subtext is the good part of the movie. There's no gay subtext. There's gay text. Yeah, that's true. The 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 almost entirely out there gay text is why this movie works, and it's not even watchable without it. Yeah, you know, like come on. Um, Halloween two is fine. Halloween three is so good. Now, I think it's worth naming that you know, like a very brief divergence of paths in the woods. One of us prefers this film to the first Halloween. And not by much, not. though. Not by much. Sure, sure, sure. I just think that um, I think it's worth you talking a little bit about what it is. And I'm not saying you don't like Halloween. That's not my point yeah. at all. But what it is about this movie that appeals to you more than the original Halloween, which people, you know, they put on a pretty high pedestal. Yeah. Um, well, for one, um, it's such a fucking weird movie. This movie is sure. way weirder than people give it credit for. Sure. Um, I mean, people when people talk about it, they uh, they 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 like make fun of it. They're like, "Yeah, it's a movie about like warlocks killing children with Halloween masks," and they say that as if it's just like silly. It's like it, it, on the surface, it's silly, but it's a very deeply disturbing idea when you really sure. think about yeah, it. Yeah. It's a movie that 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 centers around the ritualistic slaughter of thousands of children. Yep. 
Um, and then it, you know, it, so there's that. Um, I think it has like a very, the, the imagery is very iconic. Uh, I think the music is not to get all soundtrack nerdy, but uh, Alan Haworth's score to this movie is just like unfuckwithable. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, the performances are like Tom Adkins is such a frantic fucking lunatic through the final act of this movie. And what's the name of the actor who plays Cochran? Cochran is, I believe it's Dan O'Hurley. He was also in, here, let me look this up. Um, but I'll keep talking as His I... His self-assured huckster Irishman performance is very good. Yes. Like, I think that, I think people see it as campy, and I guess... But I think that it's much more, in my mind, menacing. because It's at, very deeply sinister. At no point does he think they're not going to get away with this thing. No. Like, whatever Atkins does, whatever anyone does, just like, okay. Like, everything is a mild inconvenience to it's, his it's almost he, he's, he's almost like, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, so you know how, like, Osmondius and the Watchmen is, like, so, like, I wouldn't give away the details of my plan if I hadn't already been successful like yeah. it's that same sort of like smug self-assuredness except yeah. he's like laughing at you like yeah i got away with it like fuck you yeah what, and what could you possibly even do? at the very end when he realizes he's been had by tom atkins he fucking takes it on the chin with grace and does that really like slow like looks up and just does that like golf clap yeah and it's just like fucking mwah. it's yeah. so good yeah but um that being said, of how how Huckster he is, the scene where he explains to Tom Atkins why he's doing what he's doing for the glory of Sawin, yeah, or Sam Hain, yeah, the best dancing Shama, stuff. Shamhan. When he's talking to Tom, oh, Atkins you mean about, like the dancing band? Yeah, the one band dancing was in. Yeah, the one good band that dancing was in. <laughs> Sa- Sam Hain. The, the Todd Youth was in that. Band, yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it matters. Um, the scene where he's talking about. Why he's doing what he's doing, and he's explaining it, is fucking chilling. Mm-hmm. When he's talking about the last great one was 3,000 years ago, and the hills ran red with the blood of sacrifices and children. I don't think that's ever happened. Right. But that's still like such a nightmarish image. First of all, you don't know the history of my people, so... Oh, I'm sorry. The mo- yeah. <laughs> you don't know what happened in, yeah. in Ireland. Man, man. Many a dark thing happened on the shores of Ireland. I'm actually pretty sure that accent is the most offensive thing that's going to happen in this episode. Oh, you fucking troublesome. Oh, the troubles. Oh, it's your fucking troublesome. Also, side note, I just realized that the actor who plays Cochran, uh, Dan O'Hurley, is the old man in RoboCop. Yes, he is. Yeah, I knew that. That's awesome. Um, So, no, it's just, this is, it's also, like, I just, I, I, you know, but I, I honestly think the thing that really nails this movie is that it goes from, like, sort of unintentionally silly, like, earnest, but good, but right. still kind of goofy. Right. But the last act, when, like, Tom Atkins is, like, rushing against the clock, that is, like, that is true horror. That is, like, amazing filmmaking. So this is this is the place that I will diverge from you only briefly in order to make a point. I think that the difference between Halloween, the original, and Halloween 3 is that Halloween, the original, for me and my... Uh, taste and evaluation of the film it has no squishy parts so like it might not all work for you but um it maintains its pace and its tension for me the entire film and in fact it's kind of a masterwork in not 
going too crazy. It's not like the train to Basan or something, but <laughs> that it maintains that tension from the moment the film starts until the end. Halloween 3, on the other hand, has, for my, t- my mind, an incredibly effective beginning and an incredibly effective ending. And then the middle part is kind of squishy, and it's only because of my deep love for Tom Atkins. Okay. And then the thing that a lot of people don't like about the movie is the ridiculous... Like, I think people, when they, when they get to... So there are magic masks, and there are warlocks, and there's pieces of Stonehenge in there. That's when people start to check out. That's what keeps me in the movie. I'm going, yeah, man. That's what when I'm the, fucking when saying. When the bugs come out of the kid's face. Like, it's so weird. All that shit is... It, but as far as the actual strong filmmaking... The pacing of the beginning and the pacing of the end are perfect for the movie this wants to be. And I think the middle is a little choppy. Fair enough. That being said, I don't care that the middle is a little choppy because I think the story that they're telling is so interesting. That, like, So, for example, when they're um, the stuff with uh, the other annoying family when they go to the factory. And they yeah, sort of, it's... Uh... They sort of, you know, un intentionally get themselves in on the tour too yeah buddy the, buddy comfort the tour is mostly not interesting for me uh until you see the part where they're, they're noticing all the like weird dudes in suits you know and and we know that those at this point we've as an audience yeah the like, robots filled with those cum. Are, those those are <laughs> cum robots <laughs> we've already seen them just yeah. summarily remove a homeless man's head yeah so we already know that they're 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 inhuman creatures, but um, that part's pretty menacing. But and, and there are elements of that throughout. But I, I just think that uh, when people find the middle a little less engaging, I'm not offended by that. But I think as a whole, it still all works. And I agree with you. I think for my taste, the last third, you know, Act Three of this film, including the climactic ending, are maybe better than anything that's in the first Halloween, you know, that they're just, it's just so good. And for folks, you know, no matter what anyone says about horror, there, there are still lots of horror people who want, they want, um, resolution in their endings, even if that resolution is everyone's dead. So the movie ending with him yelling and we're just not really sure where it's going to end. I think there are a few people who are just on an emotional level bummed by that. Uh, and on one hand, I want to respect their emotions because they're human beings. On the other hand, like they're so blatantly incorrect, just on a factual, objective level, that I kind of want to like just yell at them and, and sort of smack them about the face until they get it right. There are very few movies that the last shot where every single time I'm like, like literally, I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know, it's like this, and I've said it before, the last shot of an American War for London that's just Jenny a gutter mm-hmm. crying. Mm-hmm. And then the other night I revisited this because I'm on a Mike Flanagan kick. The last shot of Absentia that's just the bug's hand on the girl's shoulder. Sure. That's like it 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 it, it this is such a visceral haunting ending. That last shot of just him screaming into the phone and it's like I don't really feel we have to discuss it because if you know what we're yeah. talking about, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, if if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, like, I, I, go watch it. Right it's now. insanity. It's yeah. it's it's it, that last the the ending of this movie is like the ending of this movie is so iconic that I I think even my mom knows about it. This that last shot of you know, oh my god, I I don't even want to give it away, but it's truly a performance where it's been around long enough we can talk about it. He gets out of. 
you know, Cochran's clutches. He yeah. escapes murder by people, you know, by the fake girly girl. Yeah. And he manages to get to the same gas station that we saw earlier in the film. And he calls his TV station and he's screaming for them to take it off. And despite the fact that he's just a crazy person yeah. who happens to be a doctor, they are listening to him. Only it's on every one channel. It's it's only on one channel. That's the thing. Because they, they turn it off because he's they're like. Right, they, right, right. But I mean, it's on a few channels. It's, so yeah, 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 yeah. He has to convince multiple yes but even that one channel if he doesn't get it off in time that's got to be a good mill kids including possibly are gonna... including possibly his own children right so he's screaming to the phone stop it it's still there stop it stop it stop it you got to stop it you got to stop it now you got and then he just looks directly in the camera and goes stop it and then credits the only thing i will say and i wonder what you thought about this the people have brought it before is the time zone issue i thought about it and i'm okay with it but, you know, it is an issue only in that it's 9 o'clock Pacific time. Yeah. Which means it's... it's cool. It's fine. What? Midnight? Gremlins can't eat after midnight. What happens if they're on a transatlantic flight? It's midnight. Uh, it's midnight East Coast time? Hey, man, I'm up at midnight on Halloween watching, doing spooky Little shit. Little kids aren't, though. Wait till I have children. Wait till you have children? Wait till, I'm, wait till I have children when I'm 50. <laughs> First of all, you could get a lady knocked up tomorrow. I know what's up with you. I'm an, okay. I'm I'm gonna quash that claim right now. You don't know anything about me. You don't know what's up with me. There is nothing up about me. Moving along, let's talk about. I made a joke earlier in this that who was it on? Was oh my god, who was it on Twitter that brought this up? Someone made a joke, and I got me really thinking about it. About how there this movie does have a few smart things to say about. It's not a central theme because I think Cochran's main goal isn't to make money. Cochran's main sure. goal is to sacrifice children. But he could make money. He could the make money. The company he does has make, made money. This is a. This is a. There could be like an argument for a critique of capitalism because he swoops into this town and they just take over the town. At least a consumerist sort of like. Uh, that a everyone's crazy for just being obsessed with these masks. Yes. And then b that yeah that there are parts of America where robber barons kind of come in and take over a whole community and they could be nefarious monsters as they often were. Uh, and we couldn't. I mean, there's a reason that you know if I talk about people uh, for a long time, if you talked about uh, satanic cults using evil to get what they want, no one's picturing poor people. Everyone's no, it's always rich, rich monsters. It's weird. It's almost like when you have a ton of money, it uh, corrupts you down to the fucking very basic level. I don't know what you're It's, it's strange. About. Look, you talk whatever shit you want. I'm going to be on that ship with Bezos going to space <laughs> when the planet burns. I'm just going to work Me hard and enough. My man Bez. I'm just going to work hard enough for a billion years, and then I'll be, uh, I too will be a millionaire. I too will have $81 billion or whatever that fucker has. Fuck him. Eat my shit. Yeah. Um, I guess that was maybe a little more direct than we wanted to be. No, I'm okay with it. Fuck Jeff Bezos. Yeah, um, no, but it, it, it's a, uh, it, it's just I, I, I think he makes the perfect, the perfect like evil businessman. Yes, because even when that lady's like her face explodes after she fucks with the fucks with this this piece of Stonehenge, mm-hmm. and um, do snakes crawl out of her face or her, her face just explodes? I forget. Uh, bees. Bees. bees come out yeah. Of her face. While Tom Atkins is fucking in the next. They're room. not even bees. Weird mutant bees that look not real can yeah. start to come out of her face. Yeah. Instead of taking her to a hospital, these dudes in black suits just show up, and Connell Cochran, 
just announces to the people who have gathered, oh, she's being taken to my factory where we have the finest people there to take care of her. So it's sort of like, it's almost like, uh, what, what is it in RoboCop? Uh, OCD? Where they yeah. just have everything? And so it's like, does this factory also control like healthcare in this town? Yeah, they control everything. I, I mean, they, 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 they have cameras. set a literal curfew of 6 p.m. Yeah. Imagine any business in your town saying, all right, 6 p.m., guys, everybody go in your houses or else. We'll pull your fucking heads off. Yeah, well, they don't say that, but yeah. we all know. So um, there's that. It's it, it's just, you know, it, it's... Uh, I'll say this all this way. I don't think this movie is smart enough to get that across, but it's there. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, let's let's do our little... Let's do our little... Uh, when we talk about the, you know, whatever social political aspects of this film this is not a message film this is a film that has a creepy story however a all witchcraft stories are about subverting the norm yes you know whether for good or ill reasons but they're all about that b yeah clearly there is a feeling we have in this country that people with money and power can't be trusted yeah and what's weird is we forget that occasionally and we give all the power to people with money and power but then we tell ourselves, like, we don't trust those. Every single person who voted for Donald Trump is like, I don't trust those fat cats in Washington. Those elites. Those you coastal elites. You literally voted for the dumbest, fattest cat you could find. <laughs> who's the laziest piece of shit who's living off of nothing we can find? Let's put him in charge. Yeah. The guy who's not worked a day in his fucking life yeah. was born a billionaire. Yeah. I, it was so funny. We watched in my film class that movie, Being. I don't know if you've ever seen Being There. But uh, if if you all haven't seen it, it, you know, it's not a horror film. It's a Criterion Collection artsy film with Peter Sellers in which he plays a character who literally doesn't exist. He just has no personality. There's nothing there. But everyone just in seeing him as being this, like, nice older white man, they just read all of his lack of being there. They read stuff onto him that he's smart and intelligent. I mean, even his name. His name is Chance. So he introduces himself to someone as Chance the Gardener because all he has been his whole life is a gardener. And this woman hears him and says, oh, Chauncey Gardner, good to meet you. You know, That's amazing. And it goes on and on, the whole movie. It's It, it almost gets tiresome, because the joke is always the same, that the rich and powerful are too stupid to see that he just isn't a real person. And now you could argue that the end of the movie maybe suggests that that's okay, that maybe it's okay to be blank and not to be there, whatever. However, I thought it was an interesting movie to watch right now because the whole idea is that all he has to say is these empty, stupid platitudes and the whole, and I say the whole country, like he meets the president, he gets on TV, it's this whole thing. The whole country starts to buy into all this bullshit, which he never intended to sound smart. Yeah. He just is saying things and he he can't fool people. He has no guile. And I'm like, does no one see how this is interesting to watch in Trump's America? Like I'm saying to this dude, yeah. it's like, you know, whatever. But all that to say, I think in this film, there is a bit of a skepticism there. And, you know, there are some subtexts to the movie, like with Atkins being this, like, you know, he's he's a bit of a drunk playboy. You know, what a I mean? bit. It's not clear that he cares about much, but when he faces up to the evil of Cochrane, suddenly he's like a heroic activist. I gotta like, stop this. Even his investigation doesn't start. He's not a hero at the beginning of the movie. Even when he starts this investigation, it's this, you know, hot chick has some insight into this thing. I don't understand. Let's go. We'll bring some. Be- I mean. Their adventure starts with him picking up beer. A six pack. He's, he's literally picking. <laughs> he's got to bring booze on the adventure. It's like Nancy True, Nancy Drew, and her boozy yeah. Lothario assistant. You know who's going to get in her pants? It's like on the, the Hardy line. Boys and their drunk uncle show up and 
have adventures. I mean, even the plot itself. He they get to their first hotel, and he's like, "Well, I guess this is gonna happen." You know, like that. Just <laughs> come on. <laughs> she and packs. Again, she packs lingerie too. It's worth noting. Right, right, right. But uh, the point being is not that we're not trying to make the movie sound bad. But the the point is that it's very much a film in which. Uh, people who are not that connected, right? He's not that connected to his family. He's not that connected to his world. He doesn't have anyone he's like really emotionally sort of in depth with. Um, But he is suddenly motivated by this realization, like this is going to happen and it's going to happen to kids everywhere and it's going to happen to his kids. Yes. And he's going to do something about that. And that's that's interesting. I, I don't think any of these movies any of the good ones, at least, uh, of the Halloween movies, have much, actually, of a politics. That's kind of the point, right? Like, the point, at least, of the first Halloween was, like, he's a scary thing who kills you. Yeah. And we don't know why. And we'll never know why. And eventually, we tried to figure out why. But, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it doesn't have a deep insight into American culture, I don't think. Uh, I made a joke earlier about this movie being about cultural appropriation of the Irish. Mm-hmm. I do want to talk about something, how it, there is something of a subtext about this resurgence of like a pagan religion. And it's almost like Cochrane is sort of, again, maybe this is too smart for this movie, but this almost has like a pastoral horror element to it. Okay. In yeah. which this is a movie that is about a subverted religion, the Celts, uh, sort of taking it back not taking it back because they're not like we demand Sawin to come back to us but it's more about them exercising their religion once again in the face of you know this is like in California like the capital of like American culture and they're sort of exercising this ritual of this religion that hasn't been dominant since what the Romans took over 3,000 years ago right so they're it's sort of like this this repressed an oppressed religion once again coming to power and exercising that power by killing the children of America. Right. And again, I think that's a little too... Saying this movie is about the overthrowing the yoke that Christianity has inflicted upon Native people is a little too smart for this movie, but it is a subtext that is there. Well, I think all folk horror... I, I mean, the difference is that folk horror tends not to be that sympathetic to the... Uh, uh, pagan underpinnings of its culture. No, it's almost always told from the colonial right. viewpoint. But, but I do think the anx- that anxiety is there, and I think the anxiety is here. I'd say the the problematic part of the anxiety might be that the Irish at a certain time were the ultimate immigrants, so read a certain way. How does it make you feel that this view of your people? Well, as I was going to say, read a certain way, this could be an anti-immigrant movie. Like, look, yes. these immigrants yes. took over a whole town just so yeah. they could unleash their evil upon us. But I think it's smart making them the Irish because by the 80s, no one's sitting around thinking about how the Irish are immigrants. In fact, yeah. that whole narrative about Irish oppression and slaves. That didn't come about till people started to be woke in the 2000s and they were like, we need something to make us feel less bad about being white. There's a black I guy. Know. Yeah, there's a black guy in the White House talking about Irish slavery. Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, yeah, but I, you know, again, we're, we're not trying to dig out anything from this, but we're just wondering if there's much there. And, and there isn't that much, but I don't think that that makes the movie bad at all. We fucking love this movie. I think it's uh, just interesting to like think about like, what are the what are the things sort of under the surface there? And then, you know, there's not a whole lot, but it doesn't need it. I think it still no, works. This, this is entirely creepy, entirely I think effective. You know, parts of it are, are a little choppy, but I think overall it works very well. Top ten favorite movies of all time. 
top twenty. Fair enough. All time for me. I mean, I, uh, I, I, I have, I have the mask tattooed on the back of my leg. I know you do. I uh, love this movie that much. It's one of those movies. So we didn't really do this, but we could go back to this. Our, our history with this. Um, when I first saw this movie, I was like the unwashed masses complaining that <laughs> Mike Myers is not in this, okay. in this film. I was also nine years old. So no shit. Yeah, as a nine year old, I mean, I you we've talked about how I saw my first horror movie. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. Like seven. So I think I was nine, maybe ten, but I was very young, and I knew the first Halloween, and so I pop in Halloween three, stoked for Mike Myersness, and it's a movie about masks. And I remember thinking, what the what the heck is this? What's this all about? Mask movie. Yeah. Uh, and then this is one of those movies that got played on TV a lot. Uh, it 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 probably was on a run on cable uh, for a while. And I just kept being like, oh, this is the Halloween that sucks. It doesn't have Michael Myers in it. Only I kept coming back to it and watching more of it and watching more of it. And then it wasn't, I think, till college I was like, I'm just going to sit and watch this thing because I've seen parts of it, like the part uh, parts towards the end, parts in the middle, the part with the Stonehenge. There are aspects of this movie I've seen a million times. Yeah. I've been on TV. I've seen them over and over again. It's on AMC all the time. So I finally was like, I just need to sit and watch it. And the first time I sat and watched it, I think I was a freshman in college, so that would have been like 98. I was like, fuck, this is actually very good. (laughs) I get why we're all annoyed that Michael Myers isn't in it. But at that point, I had done a full, at some point, a full rewatch of the Halloween movies. Most of the movies, there are more bad movies with Michael Myers by a sight. Then there are bad Halloween movies without Michael Myers because yes. it's just the one and it's good. Yeah. Like it's it's just this realization that like they're really for my taste is only one truly great Michael Myers movie. Uh, Halloween 5, Curse of the <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, and that's the first Halloween. And if I'm going to rank them, I'm going to go first Halloween, then I'm going to go Halloween 3, then I'm going to go uh Halloween 2, then I'm going to go the most recent Halloween. And then the rest of the movies are somewhere underneath that. I don't give a fuck because I never want to see them again. Interesting. That's it. It is funny how that's sort of like it, it, that. That is sort of like a, a barometer for me when it comes to people talking about horror movies. Like if they say this is the bad one without Michael Myers, and I'm, I'm, I just kind of tune them out because I'm like, if that's your only critique of this movie, you oh, don't know Michael what the Myers f- is in it. you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I mean, Michael Myers isn't in um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but yeah. the movie's still good. Michael Myers isn't in fucking Young Adult, and I love that movie. <laughs> I uh, was uh, offended the first time I watched Solaris and Michael Myers wasn't in it. But guess what? That's a very good movie. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, so I, but I get it. I do love in Endgame when Robert Downey Jr. at the end is saved by Michael Myers. That's true. That's true. Um, So, but I do want to say, like, I am, uh, we're making fun of you, but I am (laughs) sympathetic because that's how I felt when I was a kid because I, Wanted when more Liam Michael was Myers. a child, you're a child if you don't like this movie. No, it's that we all want more Michael Myers. I don't think that in and of itself is a bad thing. I get it. Michael Myers is iconic. But I think we all need to realize that just the one Michael Myers was actually sufficient. And our need for more Michael Myers, including the latest movies, it's just not great. We should probably let it go. I'll say the same thing about I said about why I'm hesitant to watch the, the Joker movie. Sure. Is Michael Myers is a character where it's like the very thing that makes him terrifying makes sequels and origin stories uh, harmful to the to to to, to the yes. success of the character. Yes. So, 
Um, I actually didn't see this movie, oh, I think, in like high school. Oh, sure. Yeah, you know, and the same thing. I always heard that it was this terrible, it was the bad Halloween. And and then I remember watching it and just waiting for the bad part. You know, why is this movie, when is this movie going to get like bad? Like, when is it going to go off the rails? And at the end, I was just like, oh, wow, holy fuck. That movie was way better than I've been led to believe. Like, I've been lied to my entire life. I mean, again, and, to be fair, when I was 10 or whatever it was watching this, no one told me in advance there was no Michael Byers. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I literally watched into the whole movie going, it's going to be weird when Michael Byers shows up. It's going to be really weird yeah. when he shows up. And then he never showed up. So I don't want to make it like I think I, I was an idiot or something. But in retrospect, I get it. Like, this was doing something else, and it could have been great. Yeah. If this movie had made money, which it did not. No, this movie was a... Uh... This movie actually it was written and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, who... Um worked on the first Halloween, but he also he also is responsible for the nineteen ninety one miniseries of Stephen King's It. Oh. Uh, so yeah. Like when I met him, I was just like, dude, Halloween three is like top ten favorite movies of all time. I'm like, holy fuck, that movie changed my life. Oh my God. And he's like, Yeah, and there's a big thing for like it behind him and I kept trying not to look at it because I hate that fucking movie. But um yeah, it's just some people love it. Uh, some pe some uh, uh, People voted for Hitler too, you know. I mean, what do you want? <laughs> this is the views expressed by Justin Lore, yeah. not the views of the largest Cinepunks network. I mean, blah, blah, blah. Um, no. So this is it's, this is just I. There's nothing I can really say about this movie without like falling into like ecstasies about it. It's just it's just one of those great horror films that I hold so close to my heart. Right. It means so much to me. That it, it's just so rewatchable and so yeah. rewarding every single time. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's leave it there. Uh, oh, also, I almost got into a fight at the bar that this was filmed at last April because a businessman made fun of me for taking pictures of it. <laughs> all right. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and talk about uh, what is it? 19. 2007's very unorthodox horror anthology film, Trick or Treat. Treat. We'll be right back. Check your candy. Hey. Hey. 
And we are back to Hello. talk about Trick or Treat. Not Trick or Treat. Not an trick entirely treat. different movie about heavy metal. Is there a movie called Trick or Treat? Yeah, you've never seen it? No. Bro, Ozzy Osbourne is in it Oof. as an anti-metal Christian activist, and it's very good. Oh, oh pass. Bro, it's very good. Mm. Uh, a heavy metal dude uh, dies, and one of his fans figures out that there's a backwards thing on his record, and he plays it back, and the heavy metal dude's ghost comes back and tries to take over his body. Here's here's the thing. Yeah. Is it as good as this movie? No, actually. There I think go. this is better. But that's because this movie's quite good. So what's this movie about? So this is Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Um... 2007, directed by Mike, written and directed by Michael Doherty, who made a banger of a Godzilla movie this past spring. Sure. Uh, five interwoven stories that occur on Halloween. An everyday high school principal has a secret life as a serial killer. A college virgin might have just met the guy for her. A group of teenagers pull a mean prank. A woman who loathes the night has to contend with her holiday obsessed husband. Oh, that's like the wraparound story. Yeah. Okay. And a mean old man meets his match with a demonic supernatural well, trick-or-treater. But there's no wraparound. That's what makes this such a good anthology. There is no wraparound. Let's just jump right in there. Yes. What is hard business rule number 69? Uh, an anthology is only as good as its wraparound. An anthology film lives and dies by its wraparound story. If you do not have a good wraparound story, you don't have a good anthology film. Period. Except for trick-or-treat, which doesn't have a good wraparound story. It has... No wraparound story. Yeah, because brilliantly, the movie continuously reveals to you that every single aspect of the film is so intertwined that to call any one of them the wraparound misses the point, yes. which is that they're occurring at the same time or at different times, that that time is not linear. In The movie doesn't begin at one time and end at another. It, you're seeing different things happening that are occurring at the same time. They're all connected, and I think... I mean, so I think this movie probably works for you based upon how you feel about the interconnectedness of it. I think for some people, it might feel like a cheap gimmick. Not for all. me, yeah. it, all, it all works. Every part that's interconnected is done well. It makes sense. Um, and so when the movie's over, every time I've watched it, I've watched it four times now. And there's always a good chunk between each time. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I'm always surprised when it ends and I go, wow, that was fun. It was yeah. cool how connected those were it was cool the way that they are part of each other it's so fucking good it has not only did the the weird narrative technique that we just described which is honestly uh, you know we make jokes about it but i i truly do believe that that rule for anthology films is hard and fast except for this movie uh it also introduces i i i really think sam is like the the main little guy he might be like the most iconic horror character of the last 20 years. Yeah, that's fair. Um so I what's weird about this movie is this movie is like real is like this is like a beloved movie. Like I know a lot of people who who have like fall fall over themselves this movie, all over themselves for this movie. And this is I mean it's 12 years out since now, but this is in for the term you know in, in terms of speaking of like horror classics, this is a very very recent entry. In movies that I think are highly spoken of. Um, and what's also weird is that I, myself, only saw this movie for the first time like maybe four or five years ago. Whoa, really? Yes. Okay, so um, 
I think you start in a few good places. One, I like that the film is very much a Halloween film. Yes. It is. There are so many horror movies that we all watch around Halloween that have nothing to do with Halloween. Yes. This movie is about Halloween. And then it assumes a bunch of things. It is unafraid to say these are the rules of Halloween. I love that. Without... None of those things are... There's nothing that it says to you in this movie, these are the rules of Halloween, that I went, sure, yeah, I've heard of that. It's all pulled completely out of their ass. Yes, I know people... And it assumes that you're just going to go ahead with it. I know people, myself included, Mm -hmm. Halloween night, when you light the jack-o'-lantern, it stays lit until it goes out by itself. Right. Like, my niece believes that now. There's like generations of people who are like, yeah, you just, you don't put it out. Why would you do that? Sam will come for you if you put it out. <laughs> that I don't think people really appreciate how much of an impact this movie had on the culture of Halloween. Well, I think coming out in 2007 means it hit a bunch of people at the right time. There oh, yeah. A bunch of people who, that was when they were about to start watching R-rated horror films. Yes. There was not much else going on at the time. Um, there weren't a lot of like iconic things happening in horror at the time, and so this one kind of stuck out, and it had a bunch of people in it who were kind of important, either on TV or in other sort of media. Um, uh, I really love, even though it's a small role, I really love Anna Paquin in this. She's great. You know, um, I love the various kid roles. I love Brian Cox as this awful. Uh, Curmudgeonly piece of shit neighbor. Yeah, 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 yeah. All these things. Dylan Baker is amazing. Uh, and then what this movie does that not enough movies do, and you know, we talked about this when we covered it, but I think there's probably more to say about it, is this is a movie in which um, the scariness is not about evil, it's about justice. Yes. I.e., this is not dissimilar from Tales from the Hood. Mm-hmm. Tales from the Hood is a film in which all of the horror is people getting their just desserts Mm -hmm. and it's connected to the horror of the real life things it's suggesting now this film does not have the politics of tales from the hood which is a a very angry very political movie in the best possible way yes however it does learn its lesson from that saying um all the people in this movie who are bad except for maybe one minor character they're all going to eat shit in Mm -hmm. fact they're all going to get what they got coming and now some of the people who get what's coming to them are not necessarily bad. So there are some innocent deaths as well. But a lot of the big deal deaths in this movie are like people you find out that you're like, yeah, fuck that guy. You yeah, know? I think the sort of, uh, I guess the closest thing we'll call to a wraparound story is when we learn the rules of Halloween. Right. When those people die, you're like, I mean, yeah, they, you don't do that, but like, come on, Sam. Like, Come on. But they knew, though. They, they knew, knew the rules of Halloween. Yeah, but yeah. Though, I will say those are the most innocent deaths. Because even the yes. party, there's a party where uh, some very attractive young ladies are actually werewolves and they eat a bunch of dudes. To Marilyn Manson's cover of Sweet Dreams, which yeah, is amazing. Yeah, whatever. That sucks. Fuck uh, off. Uh, I will say some of those dudes might not be assholes, but we never see anything about any one of the dudes at the party that makes us think that they're cool either. And we know that a couple of the dudes who are getting eaten at that party are the worst possible monsters. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, you know, again, I'm not saying it's a movie in which only innocent, only not innocent people die, but in having us see some real, like, comeuppance in the film, it gives us a certain amount of satisfaction that makes up for the fact that not all of it is scary. Now, some of it, I think, is actually pretty scary. Uh, and some of it is pretty effective in like its sense of like tension and whatever. But 
where the movie is not scary, it's still satisfying. And yes. that's important to know as a filmmaker, like, okay, this isn't super tense, but I'm going to make it satisfying for the audience. It's going to be an enjoyable thing to watch. Uh, it's never boring. This movie is never no, it's, boring. No, it's fun literally from the moment it starts to the fucking last scene. It's, yeah. This movie is a blast to watch. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about one of the things that kind of gets to me every time I watch this movie. One of the one of the more effective things is the... It's the story that sets up why Brian Cox's character is such a piece of shit. Sure. Where you have the, the kind of like outcast girl. I think they hint that she's like somewhere on the spectrum. She's like the victim of a cruel prank yes. and by three of her classmates and they lead her to this place where they, they hint that there's like these like dead children that crash in this bus years ago. And it, it turns out it actually happened. These dead, dead kids come back. They murder everyone else, but her, she gets away. Right. What makes that truly horrifying is a, her reaction. It's heartbreaking. She's very sad. She's very scared. She really can. That actress hits it out of the park. B, two out of the three people who are committing this prank realize, like, oh, this is not cool. This is like kind of fucked up that we're doing this. Well, they they don't quite understand how far they're willing to take the prank. Yeah, and at yeah. At some point, they're kind of like, aren't we not doing this? Why are we doing this? Seems bad. Yeah, they realize like we. This is not. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then, um, it happens off camera when these undead children kill her classmates mm-hmm. and you just hear them screaming off in the distance is so fucking unsettling and so genuine. Yeah. It's yeah. so creepy. And it's 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 kind of jarring because most of this movie is like, it's not like a horror comedy, but it definitely has like a sense of like lightheartedness to it. It's 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 got a sense of like, it fun is, to it. It's straddling those worlds. If If you could say that a lot of horror films that people rewatch fall into the categories of actually scary or mostly fun. And this movie's going, eh, what if we do both of those things? Yeah, what yeah. if we make something that's fun but has actual scary moments and actual stakes? Because a lot of the fun movies are fun because there's nothing to care about. There's yeah. no reason for you to be invested. And so you can just be like, <laughs> funny. And this movie's like, yeah, it's fun, but uh, let's make it also upsetting. Let's yeah. try to do both. The of those scene things. where the this little girl is like walking away from the quarry, where her classmates are being fucking murdered, right? Is it's it's jarring. It's 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 a clash of tones, but in a good way, because that's right. what this movie does. Well, and I think part of the message of the movie is like a sense of respect. Um, she respects Halloween. She, she does. respects. What is it? What's the character's name again? Sam. She respects Sam. Yeah. And even in that scene, you see it where she's like, "Oh, there's Sam." Yeah. She cares about what she's supposed to care about, and in that way, maybe the film might strike people as a little conservative. You know, it's like all the people who have the proper respect for Halloween, you know, are the ones that you know make it. But uh, I'm okay with that because yeah. it's the spooky time. Yeah, exactly. So you should respect it, you fucker. And uh, technically, it's not Sam. It's a saw because it's Sawween. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> it's a little pumpkin child in a sackcloth outfit that it's is night- it's fucked a, up. It's adorable and nightmarish. Yeah, which is what the movie's going for, right? Yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. Wants, the movie has discerned 
I think this is obvious from the way we treat our horror icons. We've got all these horrifying men as horror icons, and then once we're done with the movie, we turn them into cute, cuddly things that we can hang out with because we want to feel dark and edgy. Yeah. So this movie goes, okay, we'll just give you both. Sam is deadly. Sam is cute. Yeah. These are these are both true things. And I think, in a way, this this sounds like I'm diminishing it, but I don't mean to. This is a cha- this this movie is a uh, great accomplishment in marketing. So part of marketing or branding is saying, what is the thing that people are going to latch onto that will exist into the future? And I don't know that this was their goal, but someone hit on something with this movie of, well, since people all want their scary things to be kind of cute, we'll just give them a scary cute thing that is both cute and scary. It's brilliant. And it works. It works very well. And, and again, maybe that sounds like I'm diminishing it. I don't mean to. I mean to say... It's very smart, and where the film might not be the deepest thing, where you're like thinking about it into the future, it's never disappointing. You know, no. every rewatch, it's like, oh, that was fun. That was a it's, good time. It's very rewarding on on, on, on rewatch, and in line about Sam as a very like iconic and on brand character. Sure, I think it's like. I think that Sam is the closest thing that this movie has to a wraparound story. Yes. Because he's the one common thread that runs through all the stories. Right. It's almost like if they took the fucking spooky thing from um, Creepshow, the the creep from Creepshow, and they were like, what if there's no wraparound story? What if we don't have like Tom Atkins terrorizing Joe Hill? What if instead we tell these stories and then the creep shows up and is like, hey, like that's what this movie does. And it well, it makes you think you're watching Creep Show, but you're actually watching like Magnolia or Crash. Sure, sure. you know what I mean, like those those two thousands or whatever films yeah, yeah, that yeah. were like that were like uh, all these things that seem like separate. They're actually yeah. all connected. This film does that, but instead of it feeling like a cheap gimmick, when it does it, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, the oh, book says cool. that we might be through with Sam, but Sam ain't through with us. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Good pull. Yeah. Um, I only said that because I quoted that in my Doctor Sleep review. But uh, no, it's just this is this is this is one of those movies that like everyone I know, like I know so many people who like hold this movie like close to their hearts. Um, you know, we have a mutual friend Greg Pollard, his wife Becca, th- their son a few years ago dressed up as Sam for Halloween and sure nailed it, like absolutely nailed it. Sure. Um, this is just a movie that like everyone I know they're like the lost boys in the in 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 the in the sense that it's just like a movie that everyone I know who's seen is like oh yeah trick or treat that movie's what we watch it every year that movie's a blast it's just so beloved um that i i don't it, it's it, like but it earns it though I think any movie that can have this level of gore and uh, and actually disturbing things and still be as endearing as it is deserves to stick around absolutely because and, it, it never feels unnecessarily mean though again that I like sometimes I like unnecessarily yeah mean, yeah yeah but this movie it never gets there but still has some real edge to it this this movie how good and how fun and how just just amazing this movie is i think this was one of the reasons that i wasn't blown away by krampus sure yeah. because like i was expecting this again and what i got was just like oh, i mean that was fine but it wasn't yeah there's a lot that doesn't quite work for me with Krampus. but i mean but... It, it, it it's just that that that's that's how good this movie is is that i, I i'm not sure if this was doherty's uh debut um but this is a hell of a movie to come like come out of the gates with yeah um, and I think it was his debut. Okay. Well, 
I don't know. There's much more to say about this other than if for some reason you skip this, I think it's worth going back to. I get it that not everybody wants any cuteness in their horror, but I think if you, you know, uh, are willing to put up with a certain amount of cuteness, you're still going to find a smart, entertaining movie that has some real brutal elements to it. And it was probably one of the first movies, too, to kind of like, in a very small way, turn the tables on some of the like more masculine elements of horror like having the Absolutely. female werewolves was a good yeah it was a again i'm not saying the movie is actually feminist but i think the film like in turning that around sort of played with the idea that we all have an idea of what horror is about which is just like you know masculine violence and so seeing yeah. a film that's like oh no fuck you this is what yeah it, i mean it, it, it in two of the three actual stories right Oh no, we'll say no half because two. There's four. Yeah, the heroes that we're rooting for are female characters. Sure, and in the other two, the male characters are pieces of shit. Yeah, we're not, we're not rooting for. Yeah, they're gonna die. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so yeah, it's just just see this movie if you yeah. haven't seen it. I mean, yeah. we didn't really spoil anything. No, this is. I wouldn't say watch it right now. You know, three days after Halloween because you're just gonna wish it was Halloween again. Yeah, I, I I won't be able to watch this movie again for about four or five months because it'll just bum me out that it's not Halloween. Sure. Um, but yeah, this this is just a blast. They're doing like a trick or treat too soon. I I'm sure. Well, I'm gonna hold my opinion. I'm not yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I it's just, it's it. I Mike Michael Doherty. I love this movie, but your track record is you hit it out of the park once for me. Yet <laughs> kind of shit the bed two other times. All right. Well, let's wrap on up. Here. Yeah. So uh, thank you, as always, for listening. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at TheHorrorBiz666, spelled the way it sounds. Uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at TheHorrorBiz at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us uh, on iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. If you listen to us on iTunes, do us a huge favor and just rate, review, subscribe, and download, download, download. I cannot stress that enough. Uh, you should head to www.cinepunks.com to check out uh, other episodes we've done of this podcast and a ton of other great podcasts, including but not limited to uh, the Cinepunks podcast, co-hosted by Liam himself, Black Sun Dispatches, uh, The Flight Stuff, Tomb of Ideas, Evil Eye Podcast. Uh, am I missing anything? We have a new one launching very soon um, for uh, everyone out there who has been saying, you know, when is Cinebunk's going to have a podcast that goes beyond media? So we have a new f- podcast joining, uh, and I, I think it's okay to announce because I think this will come out after they launch, but maybe not. Okay. Look forward to it or not. Called Fat Girl Hacks. Oh. Yeah. Three uh, women uh, who talk about their experience uh, being plus size in a world that is not welcome to that. I appreciate so that. They're going to launch with, I think, five episodes ready to go. Cool. Like, up front, and then um, it'll go from there. But they're very funny. It's it's uh, it's definitely a social, you know, society and culture, not quite politics, but like a cultural commentary podcast. But it borders on a comedy podcast just because they're fun and charming people. So if you're looking for that, like, let's talk about some real stuff. 
but uh, with people who I actually want to spend time with because they're fun to listen to. I think it's a really great uh, show, and it's something we've been meaning to do for a while, which is like, yeah, we, we love media here. We love covering media, but our lives go beyond that, too. Yes. So hopefully this is a step in that direction, and we're looking for, for some more shows that will be like that. Chances for you to uh, think about some other things as well. So, uh, But yeah, uh, thanks to you for listening, and big thanks to anyone who has told their friends and family about how much they love yes shout out to everyone we met i also wanted to mention this shout out to everyone we met at the brooklyn heart film festival oh totally yes guys were awesome yep uh shout out to our patreon subscribers um anything else you want to plug rough cut fan club yeah go order a shirt from rough Cut. yeah rough cut fan club you can find them on twitter or instagram at rough cup rough cup fan club Yep. Rough Cut Fan Club. And go check out xlvacx.com because Chris Reject is a monster who demands constant blood sacrifice. I mean, promotions from us. Yep. Um, and yeah, until next time, Steven Spielberg directed stop. Poltergeist. No, stop.